I'm Asam, and this is the review after City progressed to the semi-final of the Carabao Cup after winning another penalty shootout. Joining me to look back this morning, I've got Howard and Lloyd, and for those under any illusions, the our opponents last night were Leicester. Um, morning, Howard. How are you? Good morning. Uh, yeah. Bit of a Holtz hangover, I'm afraid, so nah. they're the worst type. <laughs> Stay near a toilet at every at any point. So. Oh, Howard! <laughs> Too much information. Definitely, definitely. I'm all right anyway. Good, Lloyd. How are you doing? Yeah, feeling better than Howard. I think. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Very good. Um, all right, lads. Listen, I'm going to get straight into it. I've got an opening question, mm-hmm. Lloyd. I'm going to ask you first. Does every trophy matter? Of course it does. Of course it does. And I, as I think me and Howard were discussing on the previous podcast, the this this cup, whether it's the Carabao or whatever it's been, any of its um, iterations since you know the Abu Dhabi era, we've it, we've won it what three times now, um, yeah. and it's given me some of my best days out as a City fan. Going to Wembley, I mean, you know that that Sunderland game was amazing. Uh, the Arsenal game recently was great. So yeah, definitely, and I think the. Given how scheduling has taken over now in the, um, the intensity of how the Champions League comes and how the kind of FA Cup has been pushed back and often comes midweek and at times when it's led to heavy rotation from from managers, actually this, this competition, because of the fact that it's done by early February, is often taken quite seriously by by, by teams and by managers. So I think it's, it's a really good format and... It kind of can set your season off really nicely if you get that that trophy in the bag early in February, as Pep did last year as his first trophy. Then I think it can really help you build momentum. So I I definitely think it does. And when you've got a squad as good and as deep as we've got, then every trophy definitely should matter. Excellent, um, Howard. Does the accumulation of trophies matter? Which was kind of the the point of the 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 question, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, can I go over Lloyd's points first? Of course you can. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just to agree with the first bit and slightly disagree with the second bit. Of, as a fan, yeah, those the trips to Wembley have been some of our best days. But let's not kid ourselves that this is the fourth priority tournament. Yeah, Lloyd mentions that teams take it seriously. I think the final is February the 23rd. and it's So if we get to the final, obviously that's like Everton away is pushed back. We've now got two games in January after the FA Cup game, so January becomes hectic. It could have knock-on effects, and I don't, I don't truly know what Pep thinks of this competition. You know how seriously, but I don't think he would have been devastated privately if we'd gone out and played well and gone out. Would have been, yeah, you know, he'd accepted that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've been successful for what you know started off in 2011. All the trophies matter. It's accumulation. It's Getting that trophy cabinet full, <laughs> uh, not letting it get dusty, giving the fans experiences. It's not a huge thing. If we'd gone out last night, I would have been okay with it because mm. it's not the Champions League, it's not the league, and I still I still pine for the FA Cup despite it being knocked all over the place in recent times. <laughs> uh, you know, I still have a, a, a soft spot for it, and that's bigger than still think it's slightly bigger than the Carabao Cup or League Cup or whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, it as you say, as Lloyd said, managers have mentioned that winning a trophy in February can spur on the team. It can be a great little thing that takes them through the rest of the season. And mm. what player does not want to walk up Wembley steps and lift a trophy? You know, they'll, they'll still be thinking about getting to Wembley. Even if going to Wembley because of the FA Cup semi-finals has been devalued somewhat, it's still a huge thing for any player. So yeah, it's it's building. It's not the big one. Uh, they had to make change. We'll discuss a lot more, obviously, about what sort of teams. And I don't think, you know, I don't totally agree with Lloyd that that teams do take it seriously. But we'll see tonight when you get like Arsenal against Spurs, then they're kind of obliged to take it seriously. So we may see. Very strong sides for tonight's game. Um, yeah, a more but, competitive. But I game. don't think teams really do take it seriously until around this stage of the competition. Uh, and I'll talk. 
we'll talk about Leicester's approach to it soon because I went last year to the game and Puel did exactly the same thing as we suspected in the preview that he did last year and it's not gone down well at all. But yeah, I do think the fact that City have barely played well in the, in this tournament and won it three times shows that not they don't take it totally seriously, teams. I mean, they don't put the stronger sides out, but it's still a trophy at the end of the day. So. Mm, I think that, you know, I guess the point of the question was not that it matters which direction you went in, but it was kind of not to talk about, you know, how teams treat it or how clubs treat it, but more just the, looking at it as a trophy, how how important in the in the greater scheme of things is that idea of winning trophies regularly. And I think for me, the important thing is that, you know, I think Pep touched upon it or he's talked about it maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago, that he wants to get City to a point where every single game that they play, the players expect to win and go into it with the mentality that we have to win. And any game that they don't win, that they walk away from that game being absolutely furious. And I think that there's a similar kind of line in terms of winning trophies. I think that winning trophies is a habit that you almost get used to. You learn how to do it. Um, you learn how to handle the expectation and the pressure. Um, and it's addictive. The more you win them, the more you want to win them. And I think that what the Carabao Cup affords, as we saw last night and a little bit last season, is it affords maybe players who we would consider to be fringe players to have that same taste of what it feels like to go and play and win trophies. Um and yeah, like on a wider point, I think that just the accumulation of trophies for this city team is really important. I think we're building history right now. And I think that part of building that history is winning those trophies because ultimately finishing second and, you know, accumulating, it's like Liverpool, uh, if they finish second with 98 points this season, that nobody will remember them for anything. Nobody, they won't, they won't be remembered as the best second place team or anything like that. Nobody will care. You have to win things for, to be remembered. So yeah, in that sense, I do, I do think it's important. Uh, right. Let's look at last night's match itself. Lloyd, um, thoughts on the kind of what I felt was a very makeshift team when, when it was announced. Yeah, it, it was a makeshift team, but I think it's what is the team we needed to see really. And it's kind of the team that I wanted to see as well. Um, nominally anyway, I have a bit of a problem um, with Walker's selection. I think he's, if you look at the kind of last eight, six to eight weeks, he's played too much football. Um, I'm worried that he might be entering a bit of a red zone, a bit of a damage over situation. And I, I think Diaz playing is a bit weird given, you know, Pep's already talking about him like he's out the door. So, yeah. That feels a bit strange, um, and maybe you know we could give somebody else a go from the academy. Um, if that is the case, if it's not, then fine. Obviously, then that's that's difficult. But as far as we're aware, as fans, it looks like he's he's gone. So if that is the case, then I think it's strange to play him. I and I would have played Jesus as well to keep his run going. But obviously, um, you know, if Aguero needs minutes, and it looks like he probably does because he is often rusty after an injury then you know I've not got too much of an issue with that but nominally um, no I was I was quite happy with the team and you know happy to see Garcia and Foden and De Bruyne get a game mm. um, Howard uh, do you want to dive in on the uh, on the Diaz thing I mean I definitely raised an eyebrow when, when I saw his inclusion and my in- initial reaction to put it very bluntly was why on earth are we playing the player who doesn't want to be at our club anymore Makes yeah. absolutely no sense to me. I'd be doing quite the opposite. I'd be leaving him at home and going, well, if you don't want to be here, you can stay at home. Um, any thoughts on why he may have got a game? Are they trying to convince him or is it just about allowing them to rest other players? Okay, yeah, they can't. I don't think he's going to change his mind and sign a contract because we played him in Caraval Cup quarterfinal. I think it's filling a spot. I mean, it surprised me anyway. I don't think anyone saw this coming. So I thought he was on the naughty step and we wouldn't see him in a City shirt again. So yeah, I think it's filling a spot basically, mm-hmm. uh, because it, as you say, it's a kind of a makeshift side. You don't want to put a first team, you know, a first team squad member in, in that position, wants to rest them. And no one in the academy is, he feels is a sufficient standard for a game that does have some importance, if not, you know, near the top. 
So yeah. for me, it's just filling a, a spot in the team. Okay. Yeah. Anything else in that lineup that that kind of made you raise an eyebrow, or were you, was it more or less what you were expecting? Well, I, I no idea what to expect because I knew it would make shift. I knew, yeah, it was pretty close. Obviously, we knew Milic was in. Uh, Sander was, you know, the rumor was he was in the team, and then he wasn't, and then Walker was in. And yeah, I agree, Walker really needs a rest for me. But there's just, you know, nothing there. Uh, Stones obviously being a bit, you know, like defensive midfield position was unexpected. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, we knew, I think we knew Foden would be there. I knew Aguero and De Bruyne need match fitness. Uh, so not that many surprises, to be honest. So. What did you make of the first 45 then, Howard? Just in terms of... Uh... Do you think the performance reflected the team selection in terms of its makeshift nature? Or do you think that's harsh on the performance itself? And do you think they actually performed pretty well? I thought they performed pretty well for that makeshift side. The same mm-hmm. principles. You know, the level is not quite there of a team, the first team that's, you know, you know winning 4 0 at West Ham, for example. It's not on that level. But I saw the same sort of domination of the ball. I know over the whole game we had 66% possession, uh, but Leicester struggled to get the ball and their threat was just merely pace on the counter-attack. I thought they passed it around well. Atrocious conditions, and that is relevant. You know, it has an effect on players. Uh, I thought we were dominant. We stifled them pretty well. Not perfect, but yeah, considering... I mean, look at the ages of some of the players in that team and the same principles... Uh, ran through the performance, I thought. You know, that you'd see if it was a stronger team. Yeah. Just obviously yeah. a bit, you know, the pass slightly, sometimes the passes were slightly out. The There wasn't quite the calmness from passing out from the back, but it was still there. Uh, and at times he passed it well. Just didn't quite create enough with that domination of the ball. But I, I certainly think it was a pretty satisfactory 45 minutes for me. Mm. Um, Lloyd, if you look at <clears throat> if you look at the the kind of uh, just how much we rotated, and you look at that performance in the first forty five minutes, do you think it's fair to say that that type of disruption? What I'm what I'm trying to, to get out of you basically is where we are in terms of being able to rotate, and it not affects the overall quality of the 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 collective performance if that makes sense so do you think we're at that stage where that was actually a very strong 45 minutes considering the rotation or is the drop-off still such that you kind of watch it and it almost feels like Pep's first season where you go this is like half our Guardiola football no I I don't think it was the latter personally I I think it's really impressive that we can rotate so heavily and the team is now so well drilled and so um, kind of engrossed in Guardiola's ideas and tactics that the collective still looks very good um, you know I don't, we weren't amazing in the first 45 but I thought it had all the hallmarks of kind of like a, a city performance and we kept the ball pretty well uh, we pressed the passing from the back like Howard said was pretty good I mean it's never going to be as good without Stones and Laporte there, but I thought they did a pretty decent job, uh, bar a few from Otamendi. But generally, I think the fact that you can basically change 11 players from the weekend and play still in that manner and still dominate like that, I think is is credit to Pep, really. And I, 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 I thought it, it, it wasn't like first season Guardiola football for me, Um just purely because you know, you've changed that many players and you've got people like Stones playing in centre mid who, you know, is a, you know, a fantastic centre half, but he's clearly not a centre midfielder. Um, you know, Brahim has hardly played. Garcia's first game of the season, he's 17. Zinchenko's not a left-back, as we know. Aguero and De Bruyne are both world-class players, but they haven't played in a while. So, no, I thought I thought, I thought thought it was impressive and I think it's, it's kind of a nod to Guardiola as a coach. You touched upon De Bruyne. What did you make of his performance in the first 45? Just in terms of what he brings to the team, as well as his individual performance, do you see the difference that Keb brings? Definitely. I think it was more pronounced for me um, at the weekend when he came on, purely because I think he just moves it quicker than anybody else in the team. And he has 
he just ha- he has that kind of um, conviction in his play that very very few footballers have, even at the very top level. Um, and last night I thought he was sloppy in parts, gave it away a few times, but that's expected given that he's had so few minutes. But also you saw those flashes of quality as well. Um, I mean, I think we'll come on to talk about the goal, but not just the goal, some of the just little shifts and um, balls inside and then round the corner, he just appears again and then gives it and does the simple thing. Right, it just keeps keeps the play moving and keeps the kind of pressure on Leicester. So I thought it was... I thought it was pretty good, and I'm glad he came off on uh, seventy or so minutes because it was uh, that was he picked up that injury, didn't he, in the kind of dying minutes of uh, of the last last game. So that was that was a good shot. But no, overall, I thought um, mainly good signs, and you know, I mean, it's amazing to have a, to bring a player back like this halfway through a season when we've only lost one game. Mm. Howard, is there anybody else in the squad who can score that goal that De Bruyne scores? Uh no, <laughs> not not just the you know just the shift and the, the power. Maybe Aguero. Yeah, but does he? I don't know. Not not precisely that sort of goal. I don't know. No, I think it's only Kev. I don't know. I see Aguero more put in the top corner, but yeah, just the the low power suddenly out of nowhere. It was in the back from a very bizarre position in a way. You just don't think that's a place you can shoot from. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Aguero's the nearest, but. There's not no. He's pretty unique, and and you know we're both feet as well. He mm. could do that if from the other side as well. So yeah, I mean, it was it's a proper his first goal in about two hundred forty days, I think. So obviously a welcome return uh, to see him back on the pitch and then do something like that. Sorry, Lloyd, you were going to say something. Yeah, it was uh, it was just like a proper cheat mode goal, like on <laughs> FIFA when when you've just powered shots up to like a hundred and everybody else is on standard ratings and. He just batters it into the bottom corner, and the goal is just like, oh, it just he just felt like a cheat mode goal to me. It's just yeah, definitely so good. Um, Howard, like just sticking with the KDB theme. I mean, after this, I want you to talk about Leicester and what you thought about their team selection and their performance. But there's a it's a last word on on KDB. While he was out, I think one of the things that was quite interesting was that we kept winning games, and so there was this sort of. I mean, I've seen, and I know it's ridiculous, but I've genuinely seen at least one writer who I respect write an article in the last week suggesting that Guardiola's going to have a problem because who does he move out of the team to put De Bruyne back in the number eight position? And I think that feeds in from this idea that De Bruyne, De Bruyne's injury has allowed Bernardo to flourish and actually we haven't missed anything. So... Do you think De Bruyne brings something more? Like, what I'm trying to get at here, is that, a, is that a genuinely fair... Has he got a fight on his hands to get back in the team? If, let's say for argument's sake, that David Silva and Bernardo Silva are 100% fit and they're in the form that they were in three weeks ago, does KDB coming back have a fight on his hands? Or does he bring something that it's almost like Aguero levels or Laporte levels where you just go... Or Fernandinho levels where you go, he plays every game that he's fit for? No, he, he walks into the team. Okay. <laughs> it's simple as that. He just walks into the team. Uh, yeah, of Perfect. course. Yeah, he's, he's unique in what he brings. It's just dynamism when he goes forward. Those goals, that, you know, distribution of the ball long distance rather than, you know, he's not the same player as Bernardo or David Silva. They're, they're playmakers, you know, their intricate little short passing movement. You know, he's just more... He just sees the whole pitch in a way. He's different and he's explosive. Uh, and he can put crossing from wide. He can shoot from 30 yards with both feet. He can, you know, and he can ping those 60. Obviously, most top players can now ping 60-yard balls. Uh, but somehow, Kevin De Bruyne just does it better than everyone for me. You know, that dy- dynamic thing he brings, especially when we we counter-attack. Uh, the thing is, who do you leave out? We don't, you know, we've always had that problem. Players just get rotated. I mean, right now, Bernardo Silva probably needs a break. So there's mm. all, there's always someone who can step aside and someone who will then get suspended or injured or so on. So it doesn't really work like that, to be honest. But he walks in. The only reason David Silva doesn't is, I think, though he's showing no signs of age, Pep Guardiola is still very wary that he is getting on a bit, so to speak. And he, for that reason, because he's not in the peak years of his career, 
can be rotated easier. So, yep. but yeah, I mean, I say there's all we said before. There's probably a hierarchy, and if you wanted to play Bernardo, he, Bernardo is probably the one who gets shunted to the right instead if he wants to play them all. So, okay. Um, what did you make of Leicester's? Were you surprised that Vardy wasn't even on the bench and how much they'd rotated? Yeah, I mean, I didn't hear anything about it. He did have a small knock recently, but I don't. I think he was over that because there was criticism the day before. Yeah, I mean, it's been reported as he's been rested, so it doesn't sound like it, you know that it was a an injury that kept him out. It was a a managerial decision, as a. I said I went last year to the Carabao Cup, but I was in a Leicester box because of a friend that I know, a friend's friend who has a box there. So I was with... Plagger! (laughs) 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 Got to do it once every two years, yeah. Uh, We invited me as well last night, but I just couldn't make it, so... (laughs) And next week. We seem to be away to Leicester all the time. (laughs) And they, before last year's game, they were absolutely furious with the team line-up, uh... When it was announced an hour before, because they're a team that aren't going to go down, they're obviously not going to win the title again. I mean, as it stands in this current league, they're obviously not going to win the title. They weren't last season. They're a mid-table team, and this was a route into Europe, and it was a route into winning a, a trophy. And he rested players. Uh, the timing of it, I understand well. We're just hitting Christmas, and I know the quarterfinals. As it sits just before Christmas, then a lot of managers may do this. But I looked on, I went on Twitter when they announced Leicester announced a team last night, and it was the same reaction. A lot of very angry fans. And mm. the Vardy wasn't there, that obviously Madison on the bench. Uh, yeah, it's fair to say they were not impressed uh, with the lineup. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, Lloyd? Should have gone full strength, according to them. Do you think that. I mean, do you think it was easy predict, easy to predict that Pep would rotate heavily and then kind of bearing that in mind, do you think Puel's really missed a trick in not playing his strongest side or can you almost see why he would also rotate for the Carabao Cup? No, I, I can't. I mean, you've got to consider we're, we're playing Champions League games as well, which is a yep. huge drain because... It has travelled, but it also has games against really high quality opponents, you know. And as we've seen and talked about on pods, you know, we've played Leon twice, who've really, you know, I would say taken a lot out of. They've taken a lot out of us in those games. Hoffenheim have in both of theirs. So City are always going to rotate, um, and obviously we're in a, a title challenge with Liverpool, where at the moment we're still one point behind. So you know, we we can't afford to slip up. So it's completely it's a completely different ball game, and you know I think you could make an argument that if they go full strength last night, they could have definitely caused you know a makeshift defence as 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 we had problems, and yeah, it just seems weird to play Vardy for ninety minutes against Leicester, and then just completely leave him out of the squad. And Madison's been pretty much their best player this season on the bench, or Brighton on the bench. Um, why they didn't play kind of like Gray. You know, because if, if you think about it, if they had last night uh, Gray, Madison, or Brighton, Vardy, you know, I think they would have definitely got some joy against us in that first half. So I can completely understand why well, as a Leicester fan. Okazaki really as off. well, someone like that. that yeah. You know, yeah, it was yeah, a, a bundle shot. of energy for 60 minutes. It's strange that. Mm. Um, did anybody impress you? For Lloyd, I'll start with you. Did anybody impress you in the Leicester side? Um, Chowdhury's a good player. He's like come through their academy, and we've we've played him a couple of times. And um, our youth team on one of the routes to the final, I think, a couple of years ago, when we had the Foden, Brahim, Sancho team, um, he was in their youth team at the time. Um, he's like a he's a pretty tidy midfielder, mad afro as well. Seems to be a lot of those about at the moment. Um, Definitely, but no, he, he's good. Um, I thought Demare Gray was really good as well. He's He's. I think he's going to be. He's going to be an England player. Um, he absolutely smoked Walker about two minutes in, which yeah. you rarely, rarely see. Uh, that was impressive. And then in the second half, the, his feet kind of um, down on the byline by the camera, right on the left wing, where he kind of smoked two City players with some amazing skill. 
He's a he's he's a really good player. I think Gray, yeah, I think Gray's going to be a full England international when they've got obviously Chilwell as well, who sounds like we might even be looking at. Then Leicester have got a few decent players. Yeah, I would definitely go along with that. I like the look of Chowdhury. I thought he was pretty impressive, and and Gray is developing. You know, he looks a better player than he did twelve months ago. He looks bigger and stronger, and he's kind of you know, it's almost. Howard, I'm interested to know what you think, but to me, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Zaha arc in terms of going, you almost feel like Gray should stay at Leicester for a bit of time still because he's playing every week and that's why he's getting better. Whereas if, I don't think it'll be long before he'll start getting linked to bigger clubs, but it's one of those where if he goes to a bigger club, he probably isn't going to start every week. That makes sense. Yeah. He's only 22 now. Uh, I've not seen much of Leicester this season, so is he actually playing every week? Because he, he plays most games, yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a real spurt about I don't know. I've no concept of time, so I'm guessing here about eighteen months ago where he really looked like he was, you know, moving on. But I've not heard a lot about him recently. But he's undoubtedly a super talented player, um, mm. and yeah, that that pace down the left was just uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, there's no, I mean. I've not heard him linked with anyone, so he's not attracting attention as such. Uh, most transfer I think, to- just I think Tottenham led anyway. So, but yeah, he's definitely better staying where he is at that age. There's no need for him to move on. Uh, it's about getting if he's playing regularly, then yeah, that's the best thing for him. Uh, but he's at that age now where you know he moved to twenty three, twenty four. You want him to really go on to the next level, and then he'll start getting a lot of attention from the big English clubs. Bigger, yeah, definitely. So to speak. Um, just pushing forward into the second half, uh, Howard, do you think that City took their foot off the uh, off the accelerator a little bit, or was it just that Le- Leicester were better in the second? Yeah, period? I don't. I think it's the latter. I don't know. We just didn't dominate the ball as much. I just mm. said about ten minutes in, we're not keeping the ball as well. Uh, I couldn't tell why it really changed. There was a lot of substitutions that were discovered later that worked. You know, that helps Leicester later on in the half. Uh, by bringing on some of the big guns like they did last year, but for me, yeah, just we were just quite slick. But I can't really put my finger on why that was, because uh, you know nothing had changed. Personnel uh, just couldn't keep that domination of the ball going. Obviously, yeah. So I must assume that Leicester had. Uh, I don't know if the tactical tweak their uh, tweaks, but this seemed seemed more up from in the second half. Uh, they seemed the pressure was more. And the passing was a bit crisper. Uh, and in the first half, they were pretty dangerous. Yeah, there was plenty of pace in that counter-attack. But they were just so wild with the shooting, the final ball, that I didn't feel threatened at all. And in the second half, I didn't feel super threatened, to be honest, but it did feel as though if they did actually have a goal in them in that half. Where in the first half, it just never seemed like they were going to equalise. Yeah, Lloyd. What what was your take on on how the two teams kind of start that second half? Do you think that Leicester got better or City got worse, or what do you think it was? A bit of both, but I'd say it was more Leicester beginning to impose themselves. And I always feel like it's it's kind of natural in in cup games that you know that the other team's gonna gonna come out and gonna grow more into the game because it's a cup game and you know it's 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 win or bust. So, yeah, I, I don't have too much reason, particularly reasoned analysis on it. I just thought we were a little bit sloppier. I think it's probably come from the fact that, you know, some of these guys aren't used to playing late into the second half. De Bruyne certainly looked rustier as the game went on. Aguero, um, Foden, yeah, I still think needs to get more minutes in his legs. Garcia, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, it was kind of natural, to be honest. I, I didn't have too much of a problem with it and I can't really pin an exact reason on it okay fair enough um, I want to talk about some in fact no let's do the substitutions first and then we'll talk about individual performances um, just to just to begin with surprisingly maybe for the first time in that I can remember since Pep's come in the first sub is uh, Sterling for Diaz and I, I just felt Sterling had almost no impact after he came on. At, at a certain minute, I actually went, oh, wow, Sterling's on the pitch. I saw the substitution, but almost forgotten. Um, 
Howard, is that an, is that a fair reflection of what happened or yeah. am I being harsh? Well, no, no, you can say it for all the subs. They didn't really change anything. Uh, not much more you can say. No, he was, he was on the periphery of the game. Mm. Uh, don't know. Is it the comp? I don't know. Can't give an explanation for that unless we say intensity is not there for this competition again. I keep repeating myself or there's other reasons though. He was marked well, but. No, he didn't really threaten at all. And of course, his last kick of the ball uh, in this of the night, the less said, the better, to be honest. We'll, we'll come to we'll that. We'll come to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely come to that. Don't you worry. Uh, but um, yeah, look, who were the other sorry, 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 have you got them listed there? The, well, it was, the, yeah, the, it, the, the, two, the two that I think were very ineffective were were Sterling for Diaz and, and, and Gundogan for KDB. Yeah. And they came roughly within 10 minutes of each other. So I think it's 65 and 75-ish right. that those substitutions come at. Um, sorry, no, let me take that back. So Sterling is 66, Gundogan is 71, and Jesus for Aguero is 76. Right, yeah. Yeah. Don't remember any of the three subs really having any impact on that final section of the game. So. Okay, um, Lloyd. What about for you? If you look at if you look at the would would that be any type of worry? The fact that you're bringing on Sterling, Gundogan, and Gabriel Jesus, and in actual fact, you don't get stronger. You seem to, or it seemed like. To some extent, we lost control of the game when those substitutions were made. Any theories as to why? Or again, am I being harsh? No, I think I think that is a little bit of a concern because whilst I hold my point on what I said about the you know the it kind of being natural that Leicester come um, into it more and some of our players look tired and look like they don't play ninety minutes regularly, then when you bring you know three world class players off the bench, you're expecting to hammer that home and the fact that we didn't is a bit <clears throat> a bit concerning um, particularly strange I think you're right to point to Sterling because Sterling normally when he comes off the bench you know he's so his consistency levels now are, are so good that you know he often even if he runs at a defender and, and it doesn't go well first time it will second or third because he's just relentless in how he continues to run at them so the fact that he didn't really have an impact was a bit strange um, yeah, I, but I, again, I can't really put my finger on why that is. Um, they've all kind of played a lot of games recently, but that so so is every team. So I don't really know if you can pull on that either. So you think it's just that? Do you think it's just a Carabao Cup thing? Maybe there's a little bit of those players just being like a little bit like you know Howard said earlier. Maybe you said it as well. It is the fourth most important competition, and if you're you know Sterling or Jesus or Gundogan. Maybe you're coming off that bench thinking, I don't want to get injured in this. Or is that me being... Well, what do you think? Well, I mean, I don't know is the honest answer. I don't think... I, I can't remember Guardiola making substitutions like that that don't affect the game in a positive manner. So it, it felt a little... It confounded me, to be, to be honest with you. And in a way, it... Maybe this kind of feeds into what my next question is. Um, so I'm just going to throw it right back at you then, Lloyd. Does the performance matter when it's such a makeshift side and you end up winning? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I think the performance always matters to Pep. I think as a fan, for me, it matters less when we get the result, especially at this time of year with the accumulation of games. And like Howard says, I think sometimes now as City fans, we need to take a bit of a step back and realise how ridiculously good we've got it and how our team can still play nominally in, in the very same way, which is a very difficult style and way to produce when you play kids and when you change the team quite heavily. So it, it, obviously it, it, it matters and I'd, I'd rather we, you know, we have a great performance every game, but I think from a fan's perspective, it matters to me a lot less in games like this as long as we get over the line. And even even if we didn't get over the line, I would you know I wouldn't have been heartbroken last night. Mm. Um, just uh, yeah, just let's look at the Carabao Cup. When was the we're the most successful team in it by a country mile over the last decade? I assume. 
<laughs> no one else could have uh, uh, won it three times and be in the semi-final now again. And I think it's our sixth semi-final in this competition. Mm-hmm. Because obviously we lost to United and Liverpool in the semi-final. So it's ten semi-finals in ten years now that you know, City have been in. Can you name... So we're the most successful team in this competition. Can you name a really great performance we've put in in this competition? Anything spring to mind? No. Because no, that's, that's my, my head, whole point but... here. It is what it is. Why, why go into this game as a fan expecting us to play like 1970 Brazil or like the first team do when they hammer a Premier League? You know, it, it's just, it is different in a way. I mean, you know, last year the Wolves, the Leicester game was very similar to this. Not, It wasn't a high quality game where one team was way better. They were obviously we were cheated out of a win at the end. The Wolves game were utterly atrocious last season. In the final, we pretty we turned it on in the second half more than anything. You know that was a good half of performance. But Bristol City, we were bang average considering it's a championship team over two legs. So you know, it is what it, for me. It, the result is everything because most teams are just stringing it in a way. You know, they're just uh, they're putting out mixed teams and hoping for the best. So. Mm. Do you? Do you um? Do you sent me a WhatsApp last night as well? Do you, do you feel like <laughs> had I been drinking? Well, I mean, I know you've been drinking. I could tell by the tone of it. But no, but seriously, like, do you feel like the criticism of the performance or of the team was OTT last night? Yeah. Okay. Honestly, it just you don't take. Well, if you don't, if you think Mares, for example, is a terrible footballer, then. Point it out in big games when he's terrible. I just I don't think you can make sweeping generalizations. Uh, not I don't think you can make conclusions about how good a footballer is and how good he'll be for City from a Carabao Cup game ever. That's mm. that's my point. If someone plays bad, there's just no conclusions to be taken from it because no. the next week in a league game where they're focused, yeah, they might score a hat trick. It's just don't think we can take. That's my key point to be honest is really this whole podcast is worthless eh, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> analyzing players doesn't matter it's when you know if they're doing it in league games i think yeah then you look at it but this quarter final that sits just before christmas is one of the most random games of the season for me okay well look i mean uh, just to in kind of count that opinion yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I think it's fair enough. I think just to counter that, because I did have a look at a, a look around, and I did see a lot of negativity, and it annoyed me at first. But upon second viewing, this kind of feels almost tongue in cheek. I get the impression, and maybe I'm wrong, but I get the impression that some of us we we like a moan, and oh, yeah. we don't really have <laughs> a lot to moan about. Yeah. So when you have a game like last night, where Maybe some people felt there was some stuff they could moan about. I'm kind of going to let them have their little moan. doesn't really bother me too much. I think we're all a bit down, a bit on edge, because Mourinho had been sacked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sensitive. Yeah, it did make for a a very sensitive evening. It was a a sad day. It was a sad day, so, yeah. Poor guy. He looked devoted. Solskjaer is is the new manager, by the way. It's official. Has Has that been confirmed? Yeah. I don't think that's such a... See, loads of people absolutely ripping the piss, and I'm just nah, like... Nah, I agree. Sam, Sam's just done a tweet that I completely agree with. It says, this is all just Moyes all over again, isn't it? It's just United thinking, we're United, this fits the, the romances and we'll be all right. Completely, well, it depends upon who they agree. get at the end of the season. I mean, I don't think that it... I, I think the point, we're really going to do this now, but okay, we'll do it now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was gonna, Sorry I was for taking you down a matters, different but, path completely. No, but I just Wait. think... I want to say this very quickly. Like, I think that I maybe some people don't think that things at United were that bad, but I think they were in a catastrophic place. And I think that literally sticking the tea lady in charge of the first team between now and the end of the season gives them a chance at making a run for fourth. That's how bad things had gotten under Mourinho. And I think that they just need somebody who'll come in, be a company man for six months. Not, you know, we'll we'll go into press conferences, say exactly the the kind of 
wrote United things about how massive a club it is and all that sort of stuff will not cause problems for whoever they're trying to appoint as the successor and will probably help in terms of making sure that when the new guy comes in, everything is better set up. I don't think that, you know, I'm not sure what they could have done. So if there's yeah. like a... Look. I think there's better options than Solskjaer if you want to go down that route. Though. That's that's my thing. Well, the sure. Th- I mean, sure. I can only assume they found someone for the summer. The fact that they're intent on doing a caretaker for the rest of the season. I don't. We don't know. We'll find out. But I have a feeling they know who that summer signing is, but they can't get that person now. You know, mm. e.g. Pochettino who wants to see his team you know, at the new stadium or something like that. Or I don't know. But I just the, the one point I don't, I've not seen Sam's tweet yet is that this thing about knowing the club is just for me utter drivel. It just doesn't win your games. It doesn't. They think that this is going to save them. It's like you know after Ferguson talking about getting Giggsy in in the class of '92, and it's like they're just thinking it all wrong. I just don't. That is not the way to to you know get them back to the top of uh, European football. I just don't see it myself. He may do an all right job, I don't know. He's been better at Mould than he was at Cardiff. But this thing about getting someone who knows the club and its DNA, it's just outdated nonsense for me. Yeah, but that's just, I mean, that that type of PR guff you get you get from everywhere. I just think, I think, I don't know where they could have gone. I think, you know, loads of people had sort of made the argument four days ago or three days ago, well, they can't sack Mourinho because where can they go? There's nobody available to, you know, who's going to take that job? Uh, right now and in particular if they only want a temporary guy who's going to take that job right now so I guess they've you know they've looked around and it would make sense that it'd be somebody with a connection to the club who'd at least sort of you know who'd who'd sort of go well all right I'll do it for six months just because I love Man United because you know if you go to Jardim and and you say come and do this for for six or seven months I suspect Jardim will go well no you know give me a two and a half year contract and then if you don't want to keep me in the summer, pay me out. But otherwise, no. So, yeah, but yeah. I mean, that romanticism has affected the appointment. If Oli Gunn and Solskjaer had never played for United, we'd all be scratching our heads now. Why on earth have they appointed the mould manager for on a caretaker basis? So it's entirely done on his United links. I just don't... That doesn't win your points. So... Yeah, maybe we not, but see. I kind of we will see. We'll see. We'll see. But I guess I just look at like Avram Grant at Chelsea, or you know, Di Matteo at Chelsea, and kind of coming in as interims with with a relatively high quality squad, and basically getting a bounce. I suspect Solskjaer can get that bounce. Maybe I'm being utterly naive, and they'll be trash, which will be hilarious. But one one final thing on <clears throat> on this as well is um, everyone should read Paul Hurst and a really good piece in the Times. Um, he did a kind of similar thing when we won the league about like kind of the story behind City's 100 points. He's done one about the story behind like Mourinho sacking and it sounds like either he was sat in the Lowry with Jose yesterday when he got the news or he knew, knows someone that was and kind of has depicted it really well. It's really funny and well written. Amazing. Can you do me a favour and screenshot it and send it to me? I tried to read it earlier, but I have not got the Times uh, subscription and I've read, I've up my, I'm at my limit of free articles. So if you, either of you got a sub, or in fact, if any of the listeners have got a sub, uh, subscription to the Times and they want to screenshot that Paul Hurst article and, and send it to me, you're more than welcome to. Right, let's get back to City and Leicester. Um, <laughs> or Leicester City and Manchester City. Thanks, Howard, for taking us down uh, a Man United sorry. diversion. Um, I want to talk about some some individual performances um, firstly, very briefly, I want to get into. Well, we'll talk quickly about criticism of, of senior players. I've seen criticism of Walker. I think we've all touched upon the criticism of Walker in recent weeks and earlier in this podcast. Lloyd, is there anything beyond the kid needs a rest? Not for me at this stage. I think there's been more. He, there's been more of a sloppiness to his game. I would say this season than last but he always had that sloppy moment in every game last season I mean we saw it a few times when we when we went away to Anfield we saw it in the FA Cup against Wigan Um, you know there have been a few moments last season as good as Walker was where he had sloppy moments I think he's been a bit sloppier this season and I think the, the, the ones that have frustrated me the most is often he's over relying on his pace sometimes when he's recovering and you can see he's not running at full full tilt and 
he he'll sometimes get surprised by the attacker who'll smoke him, and then he's then oh, having to then he's puts the afterburners on. But by that point, the guy's already passed him. I've noticed that a few times this season, which is frustrating because it's that's that is a level of complacency. But generally, I just think he's he's had to play too much because Danilo's not been fit. Um, and the, all this criticism of Walker at the moment, I think, is way too over the top. I think there's valid criticism, and then there's calling him shy and saying that we should bring Maffeo back. And it's like, come on, lads, the guys, the guy is easily top five right backs in the world. Definitely, I just I'm, I can't I can't abide by people saying that it's crap. Yeah. Um, I think basically we only know the answer to your initial question if we do rest him and then see how he plays when he comes back. Exactly. Exactly. But he, uh, he really right. does Let's... need a rest at some point. I mean, it's just, you know, it's been incessant football and you see it, you see it, the game over, even like Sanchez and other players. You know, there's players that, there's, I'm sure that Alexis Sanchez, there are other reasons for his demise at United in that, you know, what's going on there. But there are some players that have played incessantly for like three years and they burn out. You know, it's as simple as that. And then there. Uh, Walker, yeah, we could really do with a couple of weeks off at some point, but of mm. course we don't have that option. I don't know what's, don't know Danilo's injury. Diagnosis. I think he's close, close to being back right. apparently, but still not, not fit. Yeah, yeah. I do think though that I, I mean maybe this is a little bit of a criticism of Pep, but I do think sometimes that with his what what I would consider his trusted lieutenants, and I do think that Walker's in that list. Yeah, I think with those guys, he will play them right up to the red zone before he rotates them. Um, and we've touched upon why we feel that maybe Foden should have played more games earlier in the season to rest David Silva a little bit more. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of an argument in terms of kind of looking at Pep and going, maybe you should rotate Walker a little bit more, particularly coming out the back of a very intense World Cup for England, or coming off the back of a very intense season for Manchester City. Um, right, I want to talk about the two things that, which is, I think, the whole point of doing a review of a, of a, of a League Cup game is so that we can get to the point where we can talk about the kids who played. Um, Lloyd, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with the performance of Eric Garcia. Uh, one, were you surprised when you saw that he was in the lineup in the sense that was, did you have any inkling that he'd be anywhere near it? Uh I thought going into the season that that he'd be involved in these games, but he's had he had such a bad injury at the beginning of the season. He was out for kind of like almost three months that kind of forgot about him um, because of that injury. But you know, I think often the players, the youth players that start the games in pre-season, are often a good indicator of who will probably be involved come those Carabao Cup games when the fixtures get really heavy and, and kind of convoluted. So, um, yeah, I, like thinking about it rationally, I, yeah, I'm, I wasn't surprised he's involved, but I, I did kind of forget about him as well, if that makes sense. Yes, it does make sense. And in terms of that performance, how good was it out of 10? Yeah, I thought I thought very good. I, I honestly, I think the only error that I can remember him making is he made a slight foul on... I think it was grey in the corner. Um, I didn't actually really think it was a foul, it but it was given. Yeah. Um, but other, other than that, I thought his passing was better than Otamendi's. I thought his positioning was better than Otamendi's. Um, I think he's, a, you know, he's he reminds me, you know, I know this is a big shout, but he reminds me a bit of Puyol in that he's not got the pace. He's not the biggest. Puyol was probably definitely better in the air, but obviously, you know, Puyol was a fully grown man, and Garcia is still only seventeen. So there might be there's going to be a lot to work on in that respect, and he could still grow. But in, just in terms of that, he's a defender reliant on in, intuition, reliant on anticipation, reliant on positioning. Um, and I think if you're good enough, then you can be a five foot ten centre half, even in the modern game. Um, but you've got to be really, really good. Um, so he's at a slight disadvantage, but. No, I think he he looks he looks really promising. I think you can see why. You know, there are a lot of Bar- every time Garcia plays, there are a lot of Barcelona fans on Twitter. You see, kind of heads in hands about it. Mm. Um, so no, I think it's definitely an interesting one. And to play 
centre back against you know we were talk, we're talking about a rotated front line, but there are some there are still some good players in in that in that front line for for Leicester. So to play that well and to outshine Otamendi, I thought then I think that's a great job. Howard, yeah, what what Lloyd said, uh, yeah, when uh, Gray powered down the left and put that cross in after a couple of minutes, it was pretty sure it was Garcia who was there to clear. You know, he was the only one in the middle. Yeah. To clear it, stopping it getting to Ian Nacho. It's like, yeah, really classy performance. Uh, is he too small? Uh, depends how depends how high he can jump. Uh, most defending has nothing to do with height, to be honest. So, and if we're talking about defending set pieces and corners, then you've got most of the team back anyway. So, you know, it's a group effort that it's about positioning, awareness, and of course, in this modern city side, Grace on the ball, passing ability, and be more like a midfielder a lot of the time. Uh, very composed. Keep repeating myself. It was in you know it was really difficult weather conditions as well. It's like you're thrown in there. It was a very composed performance for me. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, he is. He was the big hope. Is it Lamazio? It's called. Uh, you know, I've, yep, you know I, I mispronounce English words, so I've got no chance with <laughs> Spanish ones. But he, <laughs> so do I, he was one of the great hopes. You know. I'd, not much of a fanfare. Obviously, if we sign a kid, there's not normally a fanfare, is there? Because people, City fans, don't know who we've signed and know nothing about him. But he was a quite one of their great hopes. So we may have quietly pulled off, you know, quite a coup getting him. Mm. And that, you know, as said before, it's how football works. We lose Sancho, we lose Diaz, but then when you pick up two Barcelona, you know, academy players who go on to become world class. It's just the way it goes. So. Yeah, very promising for such a young age. I thought it was amazing. Really, really, really amazing. Uh, uh, blew me away. His distribution, his intelligence, his composure. For 17 years old, he shouldn't be allowed to put in a performance like that. I really, I think, Do you I see can Les's see a, tweet. Hey? Do you see Les's tweet? I didn't. What did he say? He said, Garcia um, casually just bumped up, bumped up ahead of company in the depth chart. <laughs> I mean, it, there's definitely, for, for me, I, uh, I'm i surprised that I didn't see more immediate hype when the game ended because I thought he was the best defender on the pitch, which certainly the best defender in, uh, in the City team. I think, I mean, we can talk a little bit about Stones at, at defensive midfield and how having Stones in front of him will definitely have helped him... Uh, in terms of solidity and not being too exposed. But at the same time, at that age, it's not really about that. It's about when you are engaged, what do you do and how do you deal with it? And when you watch the way that he dealt with playing through the lines under pressure in a cup game in which you make a mistake in that position and they'll score a goal and you'll be out of the tournament – just really, really, really blew me away. So, yeah, I I can totally see him being part of the first team next season. Um, and I certainly, I don't know how good the lad Sandler is who was meant to be meant to get a game last night, but if he's anywhere near the level that Garcia is at, I don't see us buying a centre-back for, for a few years. I think we're fully stocked, even if even if company and, and Otamendi do end up moving on in the next 18 months. Uh, right, the other the other kid that I want to talk about is Phil Fodden. Um, Howard, Foden. I'm going to ask you. I thought it was Fodden. You and Lloyd can argue the toss over it. I'll no, it's Foden. It's Foden. It's Foden. Okay, yeah. Fodden, Foden, whatever. Um, Howard, what did you make of his performance? Uh, just a, a seven out of ten, like most of the team, to be honest. So, not his best, not his worst. Just a. It's your bog standard Carabao Cup performance. So I mean, he's you know, it shows his class just you know on the ball. So nothing poor about it. But I wouldn't say it was an outstanding performance. Uh, it was just a, a performance in keeping with the rest of the team and and the competition. So why did you see something extra? Uh, no, I mean I saw more fun. You know, like I'm sure we discussed the goalkeeper as well. That was a performance that stood out more for me, but. Yep, definitely. Yeah, what do you think of Foden then? I'll turn it around. I'll say nothing, I don't think, there's no highlights reel for me. Uh, He did fine. And he was part, you know, he helped dominate that possession and the midfield in the first half. But like the rest of the team, 
struggled more in the second. Yeah, I mean, I think that firstly, you have to look at what he's up against. And I think in certainly in in Chowdhury and Didi and Ibora before he goes off, he's, you know, he's got three big physical specimens who are quite dynamic, who, you know, were right basically in his face. Um, and so it was difficult for any of the midfield to get any traction unless you're Kevin De Bruyne and you've got that kind of class and intuitiveness where you can just move around the pitch and and find the spaces. No, I think for me, the the thing that I enjoyed the most about his performance was the fact that he looked like a first team player. He didn't really look like uh, a kid who'd been thrown in. I think sometimes in those games, somebody tweeted this, maybe it was Steve, uh, a Steam company, but, and I thought it was a really um, smart point that, you know, in these games, when kids get thrown in, when they get the ball, the first thing that jumps out is he's a kid. Um, and you don't feel that with Phil anymore. You feel like, you know, he's completely integrated into the tactical setup and completely integrated in terms of the rest of his teammates to the extent where there's no there's no way of knowing really that unless you you know get a close up of his baby face there's no real way of knowing that he's that young his performances completely belie his age for me um Lloyd would you agree with that yeah I would and that's that's why I think it's worth talking about because for me there was I I saw quite a clear distinction last night with how Foden played and how Brahim played um, when Brahim gets yeah. the ball he still looks like a kid and he still he gives it away way too often and he tries things that are 20-30% chance of coming off and you can see you can see De Bruyne and Pep as well were getting annoyed with him last night and Pep hooked him at around 60 minutes and you know I think the thing Foden just looks like he plays he plays more for the team Diaz often looks like he's playing for himself Um and, you know, I think it's as much as I am a kind of a champion of the youth players, unapologetically, it doesn't look like, yeah, Diaz at this stage is good enough to get into this team on merit, whereas Foden definitely is. Um, and, yeah, OK, maybe it's not a massive compliment to say that someone's really tidy and they have a lot of good moments without being unspectacular. But to be doing that at 18, I think, is impressive in itself. And... He just kind of fits like a glove, and when he comes in, you know that you just don't you don't notice a distinction. And I think the more minutes he'll get, the more we'll see those flashes of brilliance that he is definitely capable of. And you, we've now got to start rating him. And when he plays, the more he plays, we've got to really start thinking about him as a first team player. And in that performance, is he giving us more than Bernardo is or Gundogan is? Because fundamentally across the next 18 months to get into the team. That's what he's got to do. So, Absolutely. And I think actually he needs to put in as many performances la- like last night, which are unspectacular, but that are from a maturity level, very, very, very high. Because I think that's the thing that with Phil, maybe the fear would be that if he doesn't get to do the sexy stuff in the final third, where are we going to see him? How is he going to affect and impact the game? And can he be part of the rest of the system if he's not doing the the kind of the killer stuff? And I think that last night you really, really, really saw the maturity and the intelligence in his game. And again, that you you nail it perfectly, Lloyd, when you when you contrast it with the immaturity of of Diaz's performance. And that's something that can be kind of widened back to, I think uh, I I am going to credit a steam company with making that point, even if you didn't make it um, that sometimes with young players in these types of games, when they get the ball, it just jumps out. They're a young player. And with Diaz, it really did Um, with um, Garcia. It absolutely didn't for me, except for in terms of the physicality of it all, because a center back looking that small does kind of jump out, but with Phil, it just, just didn't, at all it doesn't and um, the other thing is you've got to think Gundogan has had so many performances like Foden's last night for six totally. over the last 18 months and he gets in the team regularly so totally and I think that that's the that's kind of the point that I'm making that maybe that's something that we don't value as supporters because it's that kind of I've said it loads of times it's that Nasri thing of you know He's a player who passes it sideways and passes it backwards if you listen to what a lot of supporters who watch him say, but then coaches love him because that kind of tactical intelligence is something that we we find it unspectacular and boring and safe. 
coaches love it. So for Foden to put that Foden to put that performance in is uh, it's very 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 impressive. Uh, how would you want to talk about the goalkeeper? Yeah, obviously not a huge. Yeah, you know, it's not as if he's bombarded for ninety minutes, and we have uh, another highlights reel of his amazing saves and whatnot. So there was one deflected shot that was a great save headed towards the post, but he wouldn't have known that. Again, he just seems he just seems a baller. To, I think I'm using Lloyd's phrases here. I've no idea what that means, but he just seems very conf- You know, for again for keeper of his age, he just seems confident, can pass the ball, composed. Just seems to fit in this side. Uh, I'm just very, you know, it won't have been his busiest night ever, but I felt he looks like a City player. You know, I think we've got uh, quite a special talent on our hands there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If we, yeah, I know he's very highly rated. I always have my worries about keeper that are, keepers that are that tall because <laughs> I always think, uh, like Pantillimon, that they struggle to get down to stuff. But he, I don't know. I just get a. I get a feeling that he's the real deal. I've not seen enough of him to come to that conclusion, but he just, you know, just get that feeling that he is top class or will be top class. Spot on, Lloyd. Yeah, Murich is great, and he's he's really good on the ball as well, which is something that you need in this city team now. I mean, when he came out, kind of on the round about the half hour and just cleaned up in kind of Edison style. Um, yeah, that's great, and you know I have a lot more confidence in him on the ball than I do when Bravo gets it. Um, and also as a goalkeeper, you know he's massive, and that save um, that Howard referred to that he makes is a great save. And then obviously what he manages in the penalties is—I mean—he saves three penalties, which is you know I know Bravo used to Bravo and Caballero had their moments as well, but um, you know to be doing that at that age and kind of outfoxing some of the lesser players because he was like you could see he was pointing as well and then goes the same way and just jumped on it so no I think we've we've definitely got a player there I think the problem with goalkeepers is they've they've even though their, their career is longer he's he's got to play because he's not going to play Champions League games and he's not at a level yet where we can do the rotational thing that some big European teams do where they put you play Edison in the league and then your second goal in the Champions League. So I, I do think he's going to, even if he ends up being our second choice, he's going to have to go out before he becomes our second choice per se. But he's um, he's definitely a, a high-level goalkeeper. We've just signed, we've signed someone else, haven't we? So American keeper. Well, yeah, we've signed the, the American guy. Yeah. Actually, that was, that was going to be my next question for you, Lloyd. Just do you know... Have you got any word on whether the American has come in to go out again or whether he's come in basically to replace Bravo? Like, what what do you think is going to happen with him? I would imagine oh, it's difficult because it, he might be a Aaron Moy kind of signing that we kind of flip flip and sell. But we've signed him, we've signed him for around, it's around 10 million, isn't it? Mm. Um, which is what we ended up selling Moy for. So, you know, yes, there's been an inflated market now in goalkeepers because of, Kepper and because of Allison, but my initial thoughts would be we've probably brought him in to replace Bravo, but we'll have to see. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything personally. Okay, excellent. Um, right, lads, uh, I want to wrap this up. Man of the match, Howard. Uh, well, he saved the two penalties, so Mjoric. Nice. I mean, you know, I, I've been giving man of the matches to uh, players who scored two goals in recent reviews. And now I'm giving man of the match to the one who prevents two goals, so to speak. So uh, there was no no player that stood out above all others. I know, actually, I regret it now. I think it should be Garcia. But I'm sticking with my... Uh, I'll stick with uh, Yorich. Okay. Lloyd? Garcia for me. Yep. I'm going to say Garcia as well. I think he stood out the most. was really, really, really impressed with him. Right. That was cool. Uh, Lloyd, thank you very much. Are we not going to mention the Penenka? <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to, and then... If, I d- you're, good, if you're going I, to do it, you've got to get it right, haven't you? So. Yeah, well... I think I, Sterling, Sterling's biggest problem is he just does not strike me as a penalty taker because, because of how he hits the ball. Yeah. And so if I was him, I would just be going up there 
And he's taken so few penalties for us. I think he might have scored one in a shootout, but no, surely you just go up there and, and, and batter it. I think he took... We're 5-0 up at Watford. I think he took a penalty, didn't he, that he'd won. Uh, but there's not much pressure when you're 5-0 up at Watford. Uh, yeah, Penenka is for is for seasoned penalty takes. Season, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you're, you're such confidence that you can do it. If you're not a regular penalty taker, that is the last thing you should be doing. To be, uh, you just get it on target. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... But well, I don't think he'll ever do it again. And <laughs> no, we won the shootout, so I don't really understand what all the fuss is about. And I've seen loads of people giving Danny Ward stick for reacting in the way that he did. It's football, man. Of course, like, so what if Danny Ward yelled at Sterling or laughed at him? I mean, Sterling tried to take the piss by doing a Penenka penalty. That's, yeah. that's football. We shouldn't be so, you know... Yeah, like, I agree. I agree on that. It's a psychological shootout as well. So, they're all, you know, they're all... Trying to put totally. each other in. One other totally. very quick thing. I think this stuttered run-up has uh, run its course a bit as well because I think keepers are just staying still now. Uh, seeing a lot of them do it and then hit poor penalties afterwards. Uh, but yeah, as you say, it's, yeah, everyone's trying to outside keep everyone else in a penalty shootout so anything goes for me, yeah. Cool. Excellent. Right, now I'm really wrapping this up. Okay. Howard, thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure as always. Lloyd, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Uh, to everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the review of Manchester City beating Leicester City on penalties to progress to the semi-final of the Carabao Cup. We'll be back very soon with more podcasts. In the meantime, be safe, be well, and as always, up the blues.